Welcome to the American Truck Driver Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Polk, and you're listening to a special series called Dissecting a Decade, my journey of growth and understanding my value in the trucking industry. The 10 episodes in this series will cover the years 2008 to 2018 and will describe for you the ideas, plans, and decisions I made that led to success, failure, and restoration. 2014 began with a great deal of promise. I had survived the nightmare of having a truck with emissions problems in 2013. I had uh, found my way through to get my own truck, leased it back onto Anderson Trucking, and had an absolutely fantastic last four months of 2013. Things were definitely looking up. Uh, It wouldn't be long before we would find out that 14... Uh, would bring us also the uh, the third child for our family so that gave us a lot to look forward to the first uh, month uh, 2014 was pretty good I had some more of those multi-stop loads that paid great and I was really kind of coming into my own as um, really accepting the idea of a guy that owned his own truck that wasn't doing some kind of lease deal you know, there was a joke years and years ago about when Prime first was leasing trucks to drivers, and the joke would go, hey, did you hear about the Prime driver that got arrested? And the punchline was, well, he, he was impersonating an owner-operator. You know, so when you're leasing a truck, you know, a lot of people will give you crap that you're not really an owner-operator. Well, now I had my own truck. It had my name on it. And... Uh, so we got into uh, February, and we're coming up on my six months. And Anderson had a six-month federal inspection policy. Now, I don't know if this was true or not, but what we were told was that because the owner-operators at Anderson were plated uh, with a Minnesota base plate, the federal inspections had to be done in the state of Minnesota. So I scheduled a time to go to St. Cloud, and uh, those inspections were done at the Freightliner dealership. So I dropped the truck off, and I head over to the corporate building, and uh, I ended up talking with one of the vice presidents of the van division, and he told me what a great job I was doing and how I was, uh, you know, if not their top, the top, uh, you know, If I wasn't the top, I was one of the top revenue producers in the van division, and uh, he was really impressed with what I was doing. So, you know, I left that meeting with him feeling really good about myself and my position in the company. And uh, then I got an email from the Freightliner dealer, and they had like a $4,000 bill for me of things that they said my truck needed in order to pass a DOT inspection. And I start going through it, and they had a bunch of crap on there that had absolutely nothing to do with DOT. Um, it was just one of them, you know, cosmetic crap. You know, oh, well, your, your grill is missing a uh, bolt, uh, so we're going to replace the whole grill at a cost of $800. And I'm like, no, you're not. So I knocked the bill down to like $1,200. There was a couple of things that it had to have in order to pass the DOT. Uh, which it would be funny to go back and dig that up because I'm still not sure that 
a couple of those things were actually DOT requirements. But I got the bill down to like 1200 bucks. Well, you know, I'd just been off two weeks for Christmas. Um, freight was still a little bit weak, so I was in a little bit of catch-up mode. And, you know, I still was only six months removed from this financial nightmare that I'd been through. And I just, I didn't have the money. Um, I was going to, you know, my next settlement, uh, but that was, you know, a week away. And uh, so I went to Anderson, you know, I'm number one guy. And uh, and I said, hey, I, I need some help with this bill. And they were like, um, no, we, we don't do that. And I'm like, you know, I know from, you know, the people that I had met at Landstar, I knew that Landstar, you know, did loans and stuff and helped drivers when they were in a pinch and uh i was just kind of shocked that i got this no well they sent me to this lady in contractor services and she made me feel like garbage literally made me beg so i signed a uh a thousand dollar promissory note and they took five hundred dollars out of my reserve account and paid the bill but they absolutely made me feel like dirt and I thought, okay, this is a place where they lease trucks and they take care of all the maintenance and the drivers don't ever have to deal with this stuff. And if their maintenance counts in the negative, they just fix it and push the balance into negative and whatever happens, happens. So I immediately went out to my truck, got on my computer and fill out an application with Landstar. And uh, this time I wasn't going to be as desperate because they could take as long as they wanted to. I, I had a job and I had a way to make money. And uh, so, you know, that took probably a month to get qualified at Landstar. So as the time came for me to tell Anderson that I was leaving, um, you know, there was a lot of questions. Well, you know, why are you leaving? And I said, guys, here's the thing. You know, I, I've got this baby coming um, I'm, I'm going to have to stop running like this, you know, three or four weeks out on the road. Um, I just, I can't do that anymore. And, and that's the model here. That's how it works. Also, you know, this is not the best environment for an owner operator. You guys lease trucks, you're good at it. You have a good program. Um, you take care of people. Um, but you know, the experience has taught me that you know a place like Landstar is where a driver like me needs to be and so I made the decision and uh, I remember when I was headed to drop my trailer for the last time you know I got like three emails that day now now are you sure you know you want to go and I'm like guys yes I, yes I want to go so now we're into April and uh I've made arrangements to go through the Landstar orientation process, which is just so much different than any other orientation I've ever been to, because you don't even have to take your truck. You know, they have you do a pre-lease DOT inspection uh, at a TA. I think I did mine in Dallas. That's where I met my friend Dan when I was getting that done. And uh, so, you know, everything's done before you even get to orientation you know you you get your packet with your permit book and your license plate and your pre-pass and all that kind of stuff sent to your house and and you're ready to go you just have to go through a couple of days in orientation so uh, i rented a car i went to indy i stayed there for a couple of days and uh, my wife and i had a plan to go to a convention for homeschoolers 
so all the timing worked out and uh, while we were at the convention I, I got a call from Landstar hey we found you a trailer I said great uh, the trailer was down at a Volvo plant in Virginia so when we got home from the convention um, I jumped in my truck and and headed down to Virginia and picked up my empty and then I got on the board for the first time and I had kind of played around with it but I you know had never called an agent had never booked a load and uh, so I look and there's a load out of Withful Virginia it pays three dollars a mile and I uh, you know I called the agent I booked a load and it was so odd that I didn't have that fleet manager anymore. I didn't have that dispatcher, uh, and it was it was kind of creepy and and weird that when I got done with that load, I was just done with it, you know. And then I booked another load, and I booked a load after that, and you know, I I could go home anytime I wanted to. I didn't. I didn't have to ask anybody's permission. I didn't have to make arrangements. I didn't have to give notice. I just finished a load and went home. And, uh, you know, I learned a few hard lessons there in that first few weeks about um, how to book loads and, and not getting carried away because, you know, there, there's no real centralized system. So, you know, if it, the only thing that shows up really in the system is your availability for the last load that you are planned on so you can plan yourself out a week two weeks you know you can call an agent and say hey uh, I see you've got a load there next Thursday in such and such a place and I'd like to book that load and they take your truck number and your email and they book you on the load and that's it and they send you the information in your email so I had built this house of cards of loads um, I don't really remember where it started. Now, I do. Uh, upstate New York, I took a load of engines down to that Volvo plant. And I had a load that was on like a Friday. It was Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I remembered my daughter had a fiddle contest uh, in home in West Virginia. So I swung through with the load of engines. I went to the contest. And the plan was to do a drop and hook at the Volvo plant, go pick up another load. It was going to Texas. And then I had a load like uh, out of Oklahoma over to Austin. And then I had a load planned uh, from Houston to Pennsylvania. And so, you know, I'm planned up for seven, eight, nine days, whatever it was. And so on. I guess it was Friday. I get to the Volvo plant, uh, and there's no empties. And it was a it was a holiday weekend, so everybody had gone gone home early. So all these Landstar trailers are sitting there full, and there's no empties. And the guy says, "Well, you know, you can wait around till Monday, and they'll unload some." And I'm like, "Hey, buddy, that's not going to work. I got I got loads planned out all over the country." So. You know, I call the agent. I'm freaking out. They're freaking out. I'm calling my next load, you know, um, uh, and, you know, they're worried. And so um, we ended up getting a hold of the people that control the trailers. And they said, well, we've got a trailer sitting in Winchester, Virginia. You can go up and get it because my next load 
was also a dropping hook and I couldn't go in without an empty. So I jump in the truck and I run up to Winchester and I pick up this empty trailer and I think, okay, my week is saved. And then the agent for the next load calls me and says, hey, the shipper had a problem. The load's canceled. Oh, great. So I jump back on the board and I find a load that's in Alabama that's going to Dallas close to where I was going. And um, uh, so I got that load booked. And so now I'm deadheading to Alabama, but the load paid really, really, really well. And with the money they had given me to go get the trailer, I was actually a little bit ahead on my money. So I get in from Alabama to Dallas. I get that load dropped. I go up to Oklahoma and I pick up the load that's going to, um, actually, I think I took a load from Dallas to Oklahoma, delivered that, and then I grabbed a load out of Oklahoma that was going to Austin. When I get to Austin, I get delayed like six hours. Now, what I'm about to tell you is the only time in five years of Landstar I've ever had words with an agent. If you run into any Landstar drivers, you will, oh, this agent screwed me and this agent did me wrong. And well, I just don't have that experience. But I'm about to tell you about something that I did. It was really dumb. And an agent was really mad at me and said a really lot of nasty things to me on a on a voicemail. So, you know, I'm on an e-log. So, you know, I'm bound by the time. Well, getting delayed in Austin, I ran out of hours. And all of my communication up to this point with this, this agent for this load out of Houston was all email. And uh, they had told me it was a drop and hook. And so... Um, you know, it's like four o'clock in the morning and I'm out of hours. So I just fire off an email to the agent and I say, Hey, I had a problem. I, uh, you know, I've got to, I've got to take a 10 hour break here. So I turned my phone off and went to bed. When I woke up, there was no less than like eight voicemails and a bunch of emails. And this agent was absolutely lighting me up. Um, how dare you you don't you don't you don't email in a situation like that you need to call us you need to call us now then the next one is you need to call me right now and the next one was you should have called me 15 minutes ago and of course my phone's off you know so I, I don't know any of this I'm sleeping like a baby so I'm I'm getting up and I'm I'm reading through these emails of this irate agent well, what I didn't know was that the lady that had sent me the load information was incorrect. It was not a dropping hook. It was a live load. But I don't know this. So I, I, I stopped for a minute, and I kind of wanted to get mad because of the way the guy was just berating me in these emails and these voicemails. But I thought, well, you know, I, I screwed up. I mean, I, I should have picked up the phone and called the guy because... That's kind of what I, what I, I would have wanted to do. So I pick up the phone. Well, and by this point, you know, the, the last voicemail was like, forget it. You're off the load. Don't ever call looking for a load from us again. Uh, you know, your, your behavior is unacceptable. I mean, just, just going crazy. So I called the guy, and I said my name. And I said, hey, before we get started, number one, I'm sorry. I apologize I was wrong. This was totally on me. What I did was inappropriate. 
I absolutely should have called you. Um, I understand now that sending you an email was inappropriate and uncalled for, and I apologize. And the dude's attitude completely changed. And he was like, oh, um, well, um, we've already given the load to somebody else, but uh, if you ever need a load, just call me completely turned this guy around because I was willing to admit that I did something really stupid uh, something really inconsiderate and uh, and I apologized and now having been around Landstar for five years I guess I know why that guy responded that way because unfortunately that's not his major experience when it comes to dealing with a lot of Landstar drivers, you know, they would have called and cussed him back and uh, probably blamed it on him. But we were both at fault. We both made missteps. We both miscommunicated, um, you know, and that stuff happens. But that's the only time I've ever had a problem with an agent at Landstar, and it was my fault. So I moved on from there, and after 90 days, you have to go to what they call a CABS class. Don't ask me what CABS stands for. I'm supposed to know, but I don't. Um, and I met a, a guy there, and you know he he can tell that I'm new, and and we're talking. He's been around Landstar forever, and uh, and I'm telling him this exact story that I've just told you, and he's just grinning, and he goes, "So, son, have you figured it out yet?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he was like, "Don't go booking all them loads like that," because I had made the comment that you know each time one of my loads fell apart I actually ended up finding a better load than what I had booked and he said that's the key book one load maybe two but stop right there you when you're when you're playing the spot market like we are there's a lot of times that you're going to have an opportunity to capitalize on, you know, the market situation. So sometimes, you know, you might be able to book two or three loads. And I, I have. I've had, you know, three. Very rare that I would have four stacked on me unless they were really short. But it, when you got long loads, there's really no point in having more than three. You know, get a good triangle set up, um, especially if they're long. You know, and generally things are going to work out. But, man, I'm going, you know, before that, I'm booking four or five, six loads. I'm booking ten days in advance because I like to know what I'm going to be doing. And uh, and it just backfired on me. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't really doing a good job putting the loads together to get maximum revenue. So I started to get better at that. And uh, around uh, probably July or August... I got cold called by an agent. Um, they, I guess they did a search of trucks in the area where I'm from. And um, so they called me. Now, this is another sticking point with a lot of Landstar BCOs. They don't like being called. Uh, they, they want to find the loads on their own. They don't like when agents call them. Um, they get mad if an agent calls and offers them a cheap rate. Uh, but I kept my phone number published, and agents would call me, and if I didn't like the rate, I just wouldn't take it. And so this guy says, uh, well, hey, we, we, we're working on getting a new customer. 
um, that's like an hour from your house and uh, we wanted to see if you would be interested in running it for a week and he told me about the load and it was you know windows from a manufacturing plant up into the northeast uh, had a really good rate on it and then you would pick up a load of glass in New York and haul it back to um, the plant and uh, so I tried it you know and it it had you know 12 to 15 stops and then you would grab the backhaul and you know and it was you know 2,000 miles but with all of the assessoral money from the stop pay you know it was a really really lucrative deal and it was 70 miles from the house so that that came along um, you know just a few weeks before our youngest uh, son was born and so it gave me an opportunity you know to to get that home time and, and to get that revenue um, so that's when I began the relationship with the customer that I have now. Um, you know, running the Northeast for a lot of people is a is a no go, but it's it's never really bothered me because I've always been able to make it worth it. Um, you know, I don't go up there for nothing, uh, but to have this dedicated account, to have the relationship with someone close to the house, uh, to be able to go out and you know do a four or five day turn. Um, it was it was really nice and it came at just the right time and you know so that that's been a relationship now that I've had off and on for five years um, it's a really great company they build a great product they have you know m most of their customers are pretty good to deal with uh, I had a few in Connecticut that I'd rather not deal with anymore but overall it was a really good relationship so with a new baby at home and now I've got this new dedicated customer, I'm not having to chase loads and chase freight and figure out what I'm going to be doing. I know what I'm going to do every week. So 2014, you know, came to a close with a, a, a lot of peace about where I was and, and how I had gotten there. Um, you know, we navigated through some challenges, but it was... Uh, it was quite an experience to go to Landstar and experience that freedom of being able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it without um, without anyone else's interference. And, and I think one of the most important things about that is when you're able to pick your own freight, um, nobody can ever manage your time better than you can. And that's what I found the most uh, comforting about being somewhere like Landstar um, is, is that I had that freedom to choose, but I could also maximize my time better than anyone else could. So 2014 was uh, pretty much a success. Um, a lot of new experiences, a lot of new relationships, and uh, I was really looking forward to get ready to go into 2015. I hope you've enjoyed this look at the decade that made me. Be sure to tune in again next week for the next installment of the series. If you have any questions, you can email me at anamericantruckdriver at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media, facebook.com slash anamericantruckdriver, twitter.com slash chrispolk76, and on Instagram, at anamericantruckdriver.